God deserves every praise from every creature every day. This is the Everyday Christian Podcast. Season 2, Episode 5 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green, and this is a special episode because for the very first time we have a co-host today. And our co-host is Caleb Rutherford. We want to welcome him. And Caleb, I want you to kind of introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, my name is uh, Caleb Brotherford, as Chase mentioned just a moment ago. Um, I am 23 years old and a 2017 graduate of the, of the Memphis School of Preaching. Chase and I were schooled together for two years, and we grew close then, and I appreciate him and his family and the good work that he's doing for the Lord, especially now with his new uh, new congregation. I know he's very happy about that and about being there. Um, but uh, I, um, I appreciate Chase asking me to be on this episode, and we'll get into that a little bit later on, I'm sure. Um, I'm just grateful to be on the podcast. I do host my own podcast. Uh, it is called the Transformed Podcast, and you can find us on uh, every major platform, podcast platform that there is. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all those kinds of things. And you can also find us all uh, all over social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. I will say, though, if you go look at my podcast and the pages, you'll notice I haven't uploaded or posted anything in probably two or three months, and that's because we're kind of undergoing some changes. We've got some big news coming up for my podcast in the next couple of weeks or next month or so. So if if you do want to check that out, you can maybe catch up and then look for uh, the news that will be coming out in the next few weeks. Um, I am married to Kaylin Rutherford. Um, We were really three years this December, um, and uh, I'm just – just living life. I, I live in Pulaski, Tennessee, about an hour south of Nashville, about an hour north of Huntsville. Um, I work with the East Hill Church of Christ. I'm the associate there. Uh, I've been here for, I guess, almost a little over two months now. Does that sound right? Almost, no, almost three months, I think. Almost three months, something like that. So, uh, but just, uh, just happy to be here. Appreciate Chase inviting me on the podcast. Well, I'm certainly glad that you're here to, to help me with this topic. And the topic for today is Everyday Christians and Sports. There's a couple reasons why I wanted to invite you for uh, this topic, and one is you're a big sports fan like <laughs> I am, and also I know you remember this very fondly. We used to play a lot of sports back at Memphis. We did, yeah. We had and a- I miss those days <laughs> a lot because um, football, soccer, basketball, yep. baseball, you name it, we were always playing it when we weren't studying. So, oh, yeah. Uh, you and what, 10 or 15 other guys? Yeah, on a good day. We had, we had quite a few, so it was a yeah, lot of fun. I need it. What'd you say? I said, I, I need it. I'm getting back. I'm getting out of shape. Oh, yeah. I, absolutely. <laughs> I need it, too. So uh, the topic is everyday Christians and <clears throat> sports. And uh, I will put the the podcast transformed. I'll put that in the show notes for those who are interested in that. So that. check him out. It's definitely a very good and professional podcast, and I know that you will benefit from it as the listeners. And another thing about Caleb that I like is he is a St. Louis Cardinals fan. <laughs> Sorry, go Cardinals. I wore my, my St. Louis Cardinals hat today <laughs> just for you. And uh, we're not exactly happy fans right now because they're, what, four and a half games back in the division. Yeah. And the worst team of all, the Cubs, is leading <laughs> the division right now. So don't like that. Uh, but anything else you want to say about yourself and, and kind of your your familiarity with sports before we get into this uh, topic <clears throat> yeah i um i the basketball is my sport as much as i love baseball football and just kind of just being active in general basketball is my sport i uh started playing at the age of seven and i played all the way through high school played three years of varsity basketball in high school as well um i, I refereed i've coached i coached varsity girls um the last couple of years you know, when i lived in north carolina before i moved to tennessee um, I've been involved you know, in, in stats and scoreboard and, <clears throat> and all kinds of things like that. So I've been, you know, all I grew up around the game. Um, I, I loved being on the court, loved being in the gym. Um, so I, I know the ins and outs of the game of basketball. Um, and, it, you know, with having that experience, it, it shows you a lot of different things about sports and about the way people handle it and the way people act about it. And I'm sure we'll get into that as we go on. Um, I'm very blessed to have to, to be able to ha- have the ability to play the game 
um, and to have the opportunity. I appreciate my parents, you know, for supporting me uh, both financially and um, in, in every way, you know, that they could to help me play and succeed at the game of basketball. Um, it's been a big part of my life, and I, and I just I really enjoy the game. Um, it's really taught me a, a lot of lessons, and I know we'll get into that uh, as we go on. What positions did you play? Um, when I first started out, I was like the biggest kid on the team for like a few years. Uh, so I always played like like the five, the four or the five, played down low a lot. Um, but then um, I started playing guard. And then when I was into like middle school, high school, I played point guard. Um, and that's that was pretty much what I played, point guard and wing. Um, right. It was all through high school. So. Good deal. So you are a playmaker. <laughs> I tried to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, I uh, appreciate you for joining me uh, for this podcast. And one other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the discussion, and uh, your dad actually wrote a book on sports. Yeah, he did. And, and Christianity. You want to kind of comment on that for a minute? Yeah, he um, he put a lot of work, a lot of effort. It took, took a little while for him to get it together, obviously. I mean, he's a preacher, so <clears throat> very busy doing other things as well. Um, but yeah, he... Um, he talked about, you know, Christian and sports, pretty much what we're going to talk about today and how um, we ought to view sports, how we how they should be uh, as, as, you know, how, how they should be in our lives. Um, and he, he interviewed quite a few people, a lot of people who grew up in, around sports, played sports, coached sports, and been involved in many different ways, a lot of interviews, a lot of quotes from different people. Um, so I, definitely a good book. Um, I highly recommend it. And I can um, – I guess I can put his email – I can give his email to you. You might be able to put it in the show notes. If anybody's interested in the book, they could contact him. I know he'd be happy to, to give you a copy of that book. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, I got a copy of it uh, at PTP okay. last year. Uh, the name of that book is Christians in Sports, A Handy Guide to Keeping Christ First in Athletic Pursuits by Kevin Rutherford. So that's uh, Caleb's dad. And certainly that is an appropriate topic for our, our topic at hand today, Everyday Christians and Sports. So the first thing we want to discuss for the topic today is sports proper place in the life of an everyday Christian. You know, sports are a good thing, Caleb, but as the saying goes, too much of a good thing can become a, <laughs> a, a bad thing, right? Right. So I think sports are needed. I think they teach us a lot of valuable life lessons, which you mentioned a moment ago. Uh, they are a good unifier, um, at least in times past, unfortunately, they've kind of become a little more right. uh, divisive recently. Right. Uh, but generally, sports are a good unifier. People rally around sports, uh, especially after things like a disaster. I know when I was a kid and Hurricane Katrina came through Louisiana, the, the whole state completely rallied around the Saints mm -hmm. after that. Right. And uh, their return to the Superdome and, and Drew Brees and Sean Payton coming in. And that really helped uh, lift the spirits of that city and, and the whole state. And then ultimately, we won that Super Bowl in 2009, and, and people were just ecstatic that the Saints had done that. So when, when disasters strike, uh, sports can really uh, help heal wounds. I think back also to 9-11, 2001, mm -hmm. and, and of course, the terrorist attacks and I remember George Bush in that first pitch uh, when the, the MLB came back after that in New York, and that was something. That was really patriotic, and it just it proved that sports could unify a country and, and could lift the morale of uh, people who had been through something very serious uh, just shortly before that. So certainly sports can be very good and they have an important place in society, but sports should not be prioritized over things like church, uh, Bible study, fellowship, evangelism. And uh, if, if sports are being prioritized over those things, then they're really being made idols sure. into our lives. So would you like to comment some on, on good attributes of sports versus uh, bad attributes if we're not careful they can become bad yeah you know sports certainly do have a proper place um in life and uh, to be honest it doesn't even have to be sports it could be anything you know i mean it could be really anything school work you know whatever you do in your life um you know it, it's good to have outlets like that it's good you know growing up for me it was kind of it was kind of like 
I'm not, I guess in a sense, kind of like a safe haven, not that I had terrible things going on in my life, but it was a way for me to kind of just forget everything that was going on, just get on the court, get some shots up. And that was just my way of escape. You know, I could blow off some steam or just relax. And that was what I loved to do. It helped me um, kind of escape from different things that were going on in life. And so everybody needs that, um, you know, and, and especially, you know, as a preacher, you, you certainly know that too. You sometimes you just got to get away and, you know, get your mind off of things. Um, and so they're certainly healthy. They, it's certainly good for us to be able to be involved in sports, you know, from a mental aspect, from, a, from especially from a physical aspect. Um, and it teaches us a lot of things. Um, but like you said, with those things being said, um, they certainly can become the most important thing in life. And obviously that's not um, that's, that's not the place for sports. That, sports certainly have a proper place in life, but it is, it is not at number one. Um, sports um, teach us a lot of things. They help us in a lot of different ways. Um, but when they begin to overtake, um, the, the most important things in our lives, that's where we begin to have issues. And I think so oftentimes we forget what our true purpose and goal, um, is while we're on this, while we're in, in this life. I think at Matthew 5 and verse 16, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, um, that we ought to glorify our fathers and our father who's in heaven. Um, and that's our purpose. That's our goal in this life is to g- bring God glory and to worship him. And when sports begin to get in the way of that, that's when we, we begin to have issues. And I know, um, you know, so many times people people talk about their commitments to all these things that they've made in life. And they talk about their commitment um, to sports, to this team, uh, or to, to, to this school, or, or, you know, to whatever it is. Um, and they say, well, I've put so much money and so much time, so much energy into this. Um, I, I have such a commitment to this thing. I've got to go on a Sunday and play this championship game, or I've got to go on a Wednesday to this practice, or I've got to do this and do that. But what about our commitment to Christ? That came first and foremost before everything else. Um, it is the most important thing in our life. When did that get pushed down to the very bottom of the totem pole? At what point in our lives did we decide, Hey, Sports is more important. I've put all this commitment into it. And so therefore it's my commitment to Christ doesn't really matter. It can take a back seat and I'll go when I have time in my life. It reminds me of people, of the people in the day of Obadiah um, and how um, they, or excuse me, the book of Amos, um, how they were so wrapped up with luxury and entertainment. And if they had time, they threw in that worship to God. And it sounds just like people of today and our world and our society. Just because you travel um, and you spend lots of time, lots of energy, lots of money, um, just because you've made it to this championship game, none of that really truly matters. All that matters is if we're glorifying God and worshiping him. And you've also got to think about it this way, too, for parents. You know, what kind of... What kind of example are you setting for your kids? If you, and you can use work in this example, too. If, if you prioritize work over going to worship, or if you prioritize sports and you say, hey, you know, kid, you've got this championship game. I know it's on a Sunday morning, but you've got to go to this game. I put all this money into it. You put all this effort and work. We're going to go to the championship game and we're going to win it. Um, what kind of example are you setting for your kids? You're showing your kids that the most important thing is not worship. Or rather, it's going to win this basketball game, or win this football, or win baseball, or football, or whatever it is. And that's such a hot topic today because so many times kids are so involved with all these extracurricular things, and parents push that, and that's fine. But there comes a point when you're doing, you're doing too much, and it begins to crowd out um, everything else. And so, you know, parents, you need to really think about you know the choices that you make and the example you're setting for your kids. What makes you think that your kid is going to continue going to worship and keep that as a top priority in his life when you showed him growing up that you could go to sports instead of going to worship or instead of going to Bible class or instead of going to this youth rally or gossiping or whatever it is. And so, you know, we commit to so many other things in this life. Let's make sure we don't forget, first and foremost, our commitment to Christ. And I think about what Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I'm not living for me anymore, but I'm living for Christ because Christ who Christ is the one who died for me. Absolutely. I appreciate what you said about needing an escape, uh, the ability to get away from everyday life and just the hustle and, and bustle. And certainly sports can provide that kind of outlet. And another thing I really am glad you mentioned is, is the fact that we are here to glorify God. As Christians, that's it. We are to glorify God and to live for Him. Right. And sports can be an outlet to glorifying God. And if we're doing it the right way, then people will see Christ shining in the way that we're living out our athletic involvement. Right. 
Um, but at some point, you can cross a threshold where, yes, you were glorifying God in your sports involvement, but you can cross this threshold where it becomes more more about self rather than God. Sure. And, and you're making an idol into those sporting events, and you're pushing God to the side rather than actually putting him first in everything that we do, which would include our sports. Right. It's kind of like a, kind of like a plate of food. You know, you have your main dish and all your other side things. Well, when, when God and worship become those side things and entertainment and sports become that main, that main part of our lives, that's when we begin to have issues. It's fine to have that entertainment and sports, but they need to know their place. And we need to make sure right. that we know in our lives, God is going to take that first place. Absolutely. So just kind of a personal example, I used to do rodeo, and that was kind of my sport mm-hmm. uh, back in high school and the first part of college. And I can remember my dad and I usually would be the ones who would go just because we would travel the whole state of Louisiana to go high school rodeo and a little bit of amateur pro rodeo in college. And we would travel four or five, six hours away, sometimes on a Saturday night. And then we wouldn't get home till two, three, four in the morning on Sunday morning. And then what would we, what would we do? Would we sleep in? Well, no. My dad emphasized, hey, we're going to get up and go to church. Even if we had that late night, right. we're going to get up and go to church. And the reason for that was rodeo is not as important as uh, assembling with the saints and edifying and encouraging them and, and taking time to worship God. And here's what I found. A lot of people in rodeo would, would, um, well, here's how rodeo works. You, what you do is you put up for Friday or Saturday or Sunday. Typically, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. And you can put what time you prefer. Generally, we would put prefer Friday or Saturday morning. But every once in a while, we'd get stuck with Saturday night because mm-hmm. that was the only thing they offered us. Right. So we did it, but we went all the way home and make sure and, and got to, to worship. But a lot of people, uh, they'd go ahead and put up for Sunday even, or Saturday, Saturday evening. And what they would do is they'd have what was called, quote-unquote, cowboy church uh, right there at the rodeo arena. And it was super casual. And um, I don't, I mean, I kind of witnessed it a couple times and, and saw it, for instance, when we were at state finals. We were stuck there at the rodeo grounds for a whole week. Mm-hmm. And... um I kind of saw it taking place and it was just super casual. I don't think it lasts very long. And besides the theological issues of quote unquote cowboy church, there's also an issue I think there with, with priorities. It needs to be a priority that we want to go and be with our, our church family back home and encourage them, edify them. And if we're gone all the time, which I understand some people have to travel for work, for instance, you can't help that. But if we're gone all the time by our choice, then we're not at, at our home congregations edifying the believers that we have chosen to to be members with at that particular congregation. And I think that is not emphasizing the fellowship and the edification that, that should be emphasized in the Christian life. Yeah, yeah I think— I think there's something that's not talked about a lot. And you think about someone who travels for sports and how they, you know, say they're gone every single weekend. They're members at a certain, at, at, you know, congregation A, but then because they're gone every weekend, they're constantly worshiping, worshiping with you know, congregation B, C, and D. Um, you know, I guess it's it's fine to a point, but like you said, you're missing out on that camaraderie and the unity and the fellowship that you have with the people that you know. Um, and I think that's something that people just kind of just, you know, throw by the wayside. As long as we're going to worship, then we're covered. There's a little bit, there's a lot more involved in worship than just being present in an assembly. Um, right. And I think people don't get that, or maybe they do, and they just choose to dismiss it because they want to do what they want to do. And so I get it, you know. And, you know, for championship games and stuff like that, sometimes you have to travel, and I understand that. But you don't have championship games every single week, you know. And if if something right. like that is pu- is constantly pulling you away, then maybe it's time for you to think about making a change in your life, you know, to make sure that hey, I I need to be present with my church family because that is my family. I need to help them; they need to help me. And you can't do that with a congregation that you see for one hour 
you know, every weekend because, you know, think about it, they're not staying there. They're not spending a lot of time at the congregation. They're coming in, sitting down, worshiping, and leaving, and that's it. And so, you know, there's a lot of different things you got you got to think about, um, and a lot of different scenarios. But you've got you've got to think about the fact that there's a lot more to worship than just sitting in a pew and then getting up and leaving. Absolutely, we're not just there to check off a box and right. go about business. Right. We are there to encourage one another, edify, to to learn from God's word, to praise God. And we do that weekly on the first day of the week. We also come, you know, most congregations come on a Wednesday night or maybe a Thursday night and and study the Bible and, and praise God in songs and prayer and uh, in a midweek service as well. We're there to, to build one another up to further enhance our ability to be faithful Christians. And unfortunately, if we are choosing something that is keeping us from those avenues of, of being together, we need to seriously consider that, and, and we might need to, to make some different choices. Yeah, and I think even on, a, even on something like a Wednesday night, you know, as it's, it's a Bible study. It's not, it's not, you know, a first day of the week worship service. However, it is still a time that the elders have set aside for us to come together and worship. And when we choose to, to not do that, essentially we're going against what the elders have said. And we're going against what God has said, ultimately, because God is the one who put the elders in that authoritative position. And so when we say, oh, it's just a midweek Bible study, it's just a Wednesday night, it doesn't really matter. Well, again, think about what you're showing your kids. It doesn't really matter if you miss going to Bible study or going to worship because this is more important. And so you've got to think about, you know, even in things like, like a Wednesday night Bible study or even things like, I mean, even things like a youth rally, you know. I'm not going to say that this person is going to go to hell because they chose to go to a, you know, a, a, a weekend of, of games over going to like a youth rally. I'm not going to say that. That's that's their choice. But I'm also going to say, think about the example you're setting for your kid. Think about the spiritual food that they're missing out on and the fellowship and the unity that they're going to miss out on when you choose to do something in the world over something within the church. Right. Why would you not want to to send your kids to the youth rally or the, or the Bible bowl or something like that. Right. And I mean, they're missing opportunities to, to meet other people, their age of, of like-minded faith, uh, maybe potential spouses, right. Christian spouses, which is super important. I mean, no telling what opportunities they're going to miss. And also, like you said, the, the priority is not being set uh, of of Christianity, it's not being set if we're putting other things ahead of those types of things, right. and, and we wonder why our children uh, go off to college or or leave the nest, and then they stop attending worship and and they are unfaithful. We right. wonder why. Well, right. oftentimes it's it's these kinds of things is why they're not um, prioritizing their Christianity anymore. Right, and you think about the lasting effect that it'll have on the kid, on, on, on the child too. You know, I don't remember nine tenths of the games that I played in high school. I don't remember them. There's a couple that stand out to me, but I don't remember the majority of the games that I played. I don't remember details. I don't remember scores. I don't remember, you know, what my stats were. But you know what I do remember? I remember my parents placing a priority in worship and saying, you're going to go to worship. You're going to go to Bible study, regardless of what's going on around you. That's what I remember. And that's what makes a lasting effect. These kids don't aren't going to remember that championship game that you chose. You allowed them to play over going to worship. They're not going to remember remember that ten, fifteen years from now. It doesn't matter. But what does matter, especially in the long run, when we talk about eternity, it's going to matter whether or not they chose to go to worship and they chose to serve God over choosing to serve themselves and going to the world um, and serving you know themselves and wanting to to participate in the things around them other than going to worship. Right. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's Matthew 6, uh, verses 19 and 20. Those trophies, whatever they may be, uh, in rodeo, I got belt buckles. Mm-hmm. You know you know how many belt buckles I look at <laughs> on a day-to-day basis? Probably None of them. I've got one that is still in the house. The rest of them are in storage. Yeah. So, I mean, those, those trophies are, are going to rust. They're going to break. And, and one day uh, when we're gone, those trophies aren't going to mean much to just about anybody, maybe right. our kids and grandkids, but at some point down the line, 
nobody's going to care about us. We're not, our names aren't even going to be remembered most likely. Right. So let's not focus on a, a national championship trophy or a state championship trophy or something to that nature to the point that to the detriment of our faith and, right. and our children. When faith. you think about what you said, national, it makes me think of like, you know, pro sports, you know, unless you're absolute sports guru, which a very small percent of people are, you're not going to remember who, you know, I, I don't even remember who won the Super Bowl last year. Like I've really got, to, I, I really honestly don't even remember who won the Super Bowl last year. Oh, second, the Chiefs, the Chiefs did. Patrick Mahomes yeah, won. Okay. I remember that. So basically it takes me a minute to think about it. And, Asked me two years ago, no idea. I have no idea who even went. And right. so, but I watched it. I remember, I remember watching it and being invested in it. But the point is, it doesn't matter. Those things aren't going to matter, even on a national professional level, you know? And so if right. it doesn't matter at that point on the professional level, the highest level you can get, then how much less does it really even matter in a, you know, a fifth grade tournament or, you know, or, or even, a, even a, a varsity tournament? It doesn't matter. It like it don't, don't matter. Have you ever seen that movie Facing the Giants? But yes, it's a, a faith-based movie. Um, it's you got to watch out. There's a few de- denominational right, right. Uh, errors in it, but for the most part, it's really good. And in that movie, um, when they kind of flip the script and they stop living for themselves and they want to glorify God with their team, uh-huh. the coach says something to this this effect. He asks them, "Who won state championship last year?" Yeah, and they start guessing. They start throwing out names. And he's like, stop guessing. You either know it or you don't. <laughs> who who uh, who won the state championship three years ago? They couldn't tell him, just like you're saying. And the point was, um, yeah, you you get the quote-unquote glory and all that, which really, uh, we need to think about that. The glory is to God, not us. Right. But you know what I mean. You get all the glory and the praise for winning the championship, and then a couple months later, that dies out, and right. it's not anybody's mind. It is fleeting. And so we don't need to put so much emphasis on those sorts of things that we uh, we neglect our Christianity. Right. There's one other thing in that movie that I really love. One of my favorite um, scenes in a sports movie, and you know, facing the Giants, it was kind of a low budget, somewhat low budget film, <laughs> and a little bit cheesy at points. And right. but there's a really good scene in it, and it's if you remember, it's when they were doing the uh, the crawls. On the yeah, football field, yeah. they had to carry the the guys mm-hmm. on their back. Yep. And he says, "I want you to give me your your very best." And he says, "Okay, I'll give you my very best." You know, whatever. And he says, "All right, one more thing. You're gonna do it blindfolded. blindfolded. Yep. Let's see if you can make it to the fifty yard line." What? Why you gotta blindfold me? Because I want you to do your very best, and I don't want you quitting when you can go further. Mm-hmm. So he blindfolds him, and then he puts a guy on his back, and he starts going, and it's hurting. And it's stinging, and he he gets pretty far, and he's like, I, I don't know if I could go any further. And the, the coach gets in his face and starts screaming to encourage him, like, you can do it, come on. And he keeps going, going, going. Well, he finally falls out because he just has nothing left. And he takes off the, the uh, blindfold, and he says, look up, you're in the end zone. So basically, he went twice as far as was required of him by putting forth major effort right. and in that heart and, and, you know, who do you want on your team? Do you want somebody who's naturally athletic, but has absolutely zero heart? Or do you want somebody who's a little bit less athletic, but they have the heart of a champion? Right. I think back to the movie, Rudy, uh, and that guy, he was tiny and yet he had a heart like you can't imagine and, uh, worked his tail off. To, to be a walk-on for the, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Right. That's another good movie. But certainly sports can teach us wonderful lessons about heart and and working hard for something, and, and we want to make sure and emphasize those. But as we have been saying, we don't want to emphasize sports too much to the point where we are making idols out of sports. Right. No, I think you're exactly Right. Right. So let's let's transition into pitfalls to watch out for in sports, and we've kind of mentioned some of these already. I'll mention a few, and, and the first is cheating. Romans twelve seventeen says that we are to provide things honest in the sight of all men, and context may be referring to to work or what have you. I, you. You can kind of debate exactly what he meant by that, but certainly I think we can make the application for sports. We are to be honest. Sure. 
and that means that we are not to cheat. Have you ever, in in your sports experiences, uh, seen any any cheating maybe taking place? Nothing that I could think of. Granted, I played, I, I was homeschooled growing up, so I played homeschool basketball. Right um, now, it was a big deal. wasn't like we were a little bitty, you know, noob team. Nobody knew who we are. We we played some. We played some five A high schools, and we we hung in there with them. Um, <laughs> but not nothing that I could, but I can remember. But I but I do know it takes place. I do know. I I will say this. I do know of a of an organization that we played against who illegally recruited. Um, they you know they were they were Misha laws that you in in high school sports and among even among homeschool sports homeschool teams and there were certain rules um, about recruiting different things like that and they 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 would illegally recruit. They had players who would past graduated who would still play um and they were like a year a year too old or a grade too old or whatever and so stuff like that happened um but that's i mean to the extent of it but i know i know it goes on especially more in um in public school and different like that i know i know things like that went on right so so certainly as a christian we should not take we should not take part in, in cheating uh there's lots of principles in the bible about being fair and we want to make sure that, that we do that. Uh, what about bad influences in, in sports? Uh, evil companionships corrupt good morals, yeah. 1 Corinthians yeah. uh, 15.33. Maybe friends on the team or even parents oh, yeah. or maybe bad coaches. Have you ever uh, seen any situations where really there was a, a bad influence on the team or, or a bad attitude oh, yeah. parents. That, that can rub off? Parents, man. <laughs> parents are the worst. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I, I I saw it as as a player, as as an official, as um, you know, as as as, as a, I was an assistant coach um playing varsity girls basketball. Of course, that, that wasn't too terrible. Um, there, well, actually, it was kind of there was there was a parent who made some pretty big issues. But yeah, you know, there's all you always have a parent who knows more than the coach, and if you knew more than the coach, then you would be the coach, you know. So <laughs> it's the kind of mindset you have. Um, but yeah, parents can parents can can kind of Parents can really destroy sports. Um, they can make it absolutely awful. Um, they give you a bad influence on the kid. The coach tells the kid to do one thing. The parent says, no, you need to do what I'm going to tell you to do. And then the kid becomes conflicted. Do I obey my parents? I should. Or do I obey the coach? And the parents should never put the kid in that situation to begin with. Um, Good point. And so, it's, you know, it, it makes it very difficult. You know, you and I think a lot of times parents try to, what is it they say, relive their glory days um, or be the player that they never that they always wanted to be, you know. Um, and when you do that, you you make the, you make it a horrible experience for your kid. If you want your kid to truly to have the best time and the best experience, let them play and let the coach coach and let the officials you know officiate. Just be a parent, cheer, you know, be excited, whatever. But don't become so involved. Don't become in. Don't become such a nuisance to where you, you know, embarrass your kid. Or <laughs> there was one time that I remember this actually. I think I was a, I was in like eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. We were playing this team, and it was um, – the, the girls' team was playing before us, um, and the, the, there was a mom in the stand. Her, the best kid on the team was her daughter, and they were playing, and she, she got, got picked up a foul or something like the third quarter, and the mom was just irate, and she was yelling and screaming, and the, and the ref threw her out. And so she, like, marched on the court, like, yelled at her daughter, made her pack up her things, and they left. Um, and like, you know, and the daughter was obviously like embarrassed because that's her mom right. and she's getting pulled out of the game too. Um, you know, and so something like that, it just makes you look bad. I don't remember anything else about that season, but that moment. I, and I remember that, that the mom made a scene, you know, she got kicked out and she pulled her kid out, you know, that, that stuff like that, you know, you, you make it a horrible experience for your kids and you make it, you make them not even want to play anymore. Um, and so. You, parents certainly can be a bad influence um, on their kids. Um, you know, let let the kids play the game. Let the coaches coach. Just be a fan, um, and don't you know? Don't try to get involved so much to the point to where you just make it a miserable experience for everybody. Right. You, you can be too hard on your kids. Right. You can uh, make it all about well, my kid's going to be in the major leagues when he grows up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not likely. Yeah. Um, you can burn them out. Oh And yeah. if the coach says your kid is uh, ninth in the lineup. Then be glad that he's on in the lineup. Right. You know, my kid should be third or fourth, batting cleanup. Right. No, uh, my kid should be pitcher, not outfield. Be glad your kid is getting to play, and and if if you think that they should be something else on the team, use that as a a healthy motivation to mm-hmm. to get them to work hard to improve 
and try to work their way up to that position. Don't go against the coach, like right. you said, and don't be the coach yourself. And let, <laughs> I mean, if you want to be a coach, volunteer. Right. But otherwise, let the coaches coach right. and, and trust that they know what they're doing um, and, and just just do the best you can and, and let the kids have fun yeah. and realize that more than likely your kid's not going to be a professional athlete. And, and from a Christian standpoint, do you really want them to be a professional athlete? Right. It's, it's pretty hard to be a faithful Christian and be a professional oh, athlete. Yeah. You've got all the money that comes with it. Money's not sinful, but the love of money is. Right. And all the things that come with the money, too. Right. And, and fame. And uh-huh. I mean, it's, it'd be pretty hard to, to be a faithful Christian, I think, and, and be a professional sure. athlete. What are you going to do on Sundays uh, when, when – the NFL teams play in and are you going to go worship, you know? So there's all sorts of factors. Do you really want that for your kids or yeah. do you want them to, to have a healthy outlet to, to get their energy out and to learn some good life lessons and make friendships and that sort of thing? Yeah. Let them have fun. That's the, that's the, I mean, that's the reason why people get into sports is to have fun. You know, right. We need to make sure we get back to that. Don't make it so much to where they view it as a chore or to where you, they view it as something that you are making them do. Let them enjoy it. Let them have fun because that's why they're there. Um, and hopefully, hopefully they'll enjoy it. And then, like you said, along the way, they'll learn lessons and gain friendships that, you know, that sometimes will last a lifetime. Absolutely. Um, what about a coach? You probably had good coaches growing up since you were um, on like a, a Christian homeschool mm-hmm. kind of team. But – uh, maybe have you ever seen any other bad coaches in a league or, oh, yeah. or maybe if you haven't, um, can you maybe give some examples of what bad uh, moral coaching might look like and just what parents need to kind of be on the lookout for? Right. Yeah. 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 Certainly I saw my fair share. I never had like a, a bad coach. Um, my, uh, <laughs> granted, my dad coached a lot when I was younger. Um, and then when I, when I got into homeschool basketball, um, they had specific coaches and such. Um, but yeah, certainly you can have bad coaches. Coaches can emphasize the wrong thing. They can emphasize how to play dirty. They can emphasize how to cut corners and cheat. You know, they can emphasize, um, and they can make issues with, um, you know, I if a kid does say, "Hey, I've got to go to worship. I've got to go out," they can make an issue of that. Um, and I, I, I think right there that as a parent, that's a telltale sign of get your kid out of that team. You know, if it's not going to work. Um, but, yeah, there certainly can be bad coaches. You can see them, you know, physically abused, mentally abused. And they, I understand you're going to push your kid to be the best that they can be. As, as a coach, you're going to push your players to be the best that they can be. And I, and I, it, I, I grew a lot when I coached varsity girls, um, number one, because it was girls basketball. I'd never really been involved in that. So you, there's certainly a way you've got to treat them um, in a different way than I would have treated a boys team. You can be hard on players. You can push them. But you can also go too far, and you can, in a sense, almost break them down, and, you know, to emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, so you've got, as, as a coach, there's a fine line of pushing your kids to be the best that they can be, um, setting goals that they, can, that they um, really can attain, um, and then there's also, you know, crossing that line where you can just you can push them and break them um, and do no good for them. All they're going to remember is um you know th- this i had a horrible coach who was horrible to me physically mentally you know and i didn't i didn't learn anything as a coach you want your players to learn i, th- I feel like one of the greatest things that you, a player could take away from you is um how to learn to play the game the right way um how to work hard how to be successful at that and also knowing that i understand and as cliche you know you want to win but winning is not everything and Truthfully and honestly, that that's the that that is real. It's true. Does it like we said in you know fifteen years now? Does it matter if you win or win or lose, win or lose? No, it doesn't. You know, trophy or no trophy, it doesn't matter because you're not going to remember the trophy in the first place anyway. Um, so something like that doesn't matter. But as a coach, there's so much good you can do. But unfortunately, there's a lot of bad coaches. You can see bad coaches have temper temper flares and temper tantrums on the court. Uh, I've seen clipboards thrown and broken. You know, there's that. It's the the famous clip of uh, the Bobby Knight throwing the chair across the yeah. <laughs> across the gym. You know, um, and you see it. I, it's it's really bad in baseball, especially in, in the MLB. You see umpires or not umpires, but managers come out and start yelling and screaming and pitching tantrums and you know stuff like that. There's certainly a, good, a right way. Bench is clear. Yeah, exactly. Bench is clear. And, you know, as a fan, it, it's kind of exciting. You kind of like to watch that kind of stuff. But truthfully. If you're, you know, when you're down there, that's that's not what you're wanting to do. You need to make sure that, um, you know, it's just you just need to make sure you have the right kind of uh, 
the right mindset when you go into something like that. Um, make sure you have, you know, especially as a coach, be a good right. example to your kids. You're, you're the one in charge. You're setting an example for your players. You know, make sure they know how to act and that you are going to carry that out yourself um, as, as a coach. Right. And we'll kind of get into that in just a minute. One more thing I wanted to say about coaches and, uh, you know, we, we hate that we even have to mention this, but we see news reports of, uh, you know, coach had a, a get a getaway weekend with kids and ended up being perverted and, sure. and sexually uh, inappropriate. Right. That's right. something else I think parents need to really keep their antenna up and, yeah. and keep an eye out for. Um, if, a, if a coach is not, uh, handling himself properly um, with the, the young people on the team. If he's too handsy, if he's looking a certain way that really he ought not be looking or right. talking to him a certain way, we we need to, as as parents, be on the lookout for that because we we are to protect our children. And unfortunately, we live in a dangerous world where there's lots of people who are are uh, mentally off um from from those perverted right. standpoints that's another thing i think we need to keep in mind with uh with coaches and make sure that we're protecting our kids yeah you hate that you even like you said you hate you even have to mention it you know years ago you probably that probably would have never even crept into our minds but certainly it is something you need to look out for you know i mentioned i coached um high school girls basketball and that was it was a big change for me because I was always used to being around guys you know you can be just guy to guy it, it's different the relationship's different um you can be a lot more you know physical and hands-on when you're doing drills and stuff like that um when I was coaching I had to be it was really it was really strange I had to be very careful about the way I did things um and certainly as a parent you gotta gotta be watchful um you know number one as a coach don't put yourself in situations to where something like that could happen number two as a parent don't put your child in a situation to where something like that could happen just be very very careful and i understand you know get close to a coach have that relationship with them but know that i mean humans humans are humans they make mistakes sometimes things happen bad things happen and it's not okay not okaying it at all by any means but just know you know, be careful about, about, about things like that. Be smart um, and, you know, make sure that you, you take the necessary precautions um, and things like that. And don't just, don't just completely, you know, hand your kid over and say, hey, here, go do whatever you want. You know, be careful, make the right decision, be smart about it. Right. And, and that goes for a uh, teammate over here. We're going to go have a sleepover at teammate's house, that sort of thing, too. We just got to protect our kids because we live in a dangerous world. Right. So, yeah. All right. Kind of our last point I wanted to get into for today is principles for Christians to consider when participating in athletics. Um, Number one that I have is is work hard. Diligence is a virtue that is taught repeatedly in the scriptures. There's some Proverbs that talk about it. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Proverbs 13.4. Proverbs 10, verse 4, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Caleb, how could we apply these and, and other verses to our efforts on uh, ath- on the athletic field, the court, and also our results on uh, the, the field and the court? Yeah, you know, and I was reading over your outline. This was the very first thing that popped into my head, too, is this idea of diligence. And I looked it up, and there are so many Proverbs about how to be diligent, how to work hard. And it's one of those things that sports can teach you as a life lesson, you know, um, be diligent, work hard, give it your all and no matter what it is. Um, but when we talk about sports, it's most certainly something that you can give forth that 100% effort because when you do, you're going to be proud of yourself at the outcome, no matter what, win or lose. You know, if you go and you just kind of eh, give it what, give it whatever, you know, kind of, not cheat your way through, but kind of just lazily get your way through. If you win that championship, it's not going to feel as good than knowing, other than know. It, instead of knowing, like you put that hard at work, you put that effort, you put those nights into the gym, you put that that mental effort into watching tape, and you put that physical effort into being on the court or on the field, and seeing the result, knowing your hard work has paid off. That's so much more rewarding than something like, you know, just lazily getting your way through and just being handed a trophy. So, oh yeah, I kind of worked for this, whatever, no big deal. It's that reward factor that you go for. Um, and so we need to make sure that we're, we're diligent. We're giving it everything that we got because the reward in the end will be um, knowing I worked hard for this. I've earned this. Um, and that's something that we should always strive for, regardless of what it is in life, um, school, 
work, you know, whatever. And even relating into our Christian Christian life too. If we work hard as Christians, if we're faithful, then ultimately we'll receive that reward in heaven knowing that not that we earned it, but that we worked hard for it and we gave it our all. We gave it our 110%. And when we do that, it will certainly be much more rewarding. Right. I like Colossians 3.23 on that. Um, whatever you do, mm-hmm. do it heartily as to the Lord right. and not to men. Well, that would certainly include our sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should work hard because uh, just just picture Jesus, if, if we can, as your coach. You're wanting to please him. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of times I think people take Philippians, uh, what is it, Philippians Four thirteen out of context, oh, yeah. and they say, oh, yeah. "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens who strengthens me." And and they want to take that to the sports uh, field. Right. Well, that that it's not what Paul was. <laughs> Paul was not talking it. about <laughs> winning a championship game. <laughs> he was talking about the faithful Christian life. Right. Um, but certainly, we can still receive strength from Christ, sure. and we should receive strength from Christ to to help us in everything that we do, and in everything we do, we should be wanting to be pleasing to Him. Right. So, you know, we want to make sure that our diligence is, yes, it's about us wanting to be the best that we can be for our own sake, but also going back, going back to glorifying God, we want to be the best that we can be ultimately so that we can glorify Him. Right. No, certainly, certainly. Okay, and then the next point that I had for for uh, principles to consider is be a good teammate, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't be that that guy. Right. In Ecclesiastes four, verses nine through twelve, it says two are better than one. Well, that's talking about teamwork, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, that passage is a good summation of what it means to be a team player. Nobody likes the ball hog. (laughs) Nobody likes the the kid on the team who has a horrible attitude and is a quitter and who thinks, oh, we'll never win. No, be that positive teammate. Be that teammate that has his hand out to help somebody when they when they trip. Right. Be that teammate that that is a, a good sport to the other team even. And, hey, I'm competing against you, but I still care about you as a person, and I want to beat you on this court, but as soon as the game's over, Let's go be friends, and I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. So be a good teammate. Be a good sport. Um, and and I also think about 1 Corinthians 12, verses 20 through 25. That's really teamwork uh, in the body of Christ. Every member, every part of the body has an important role to play in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think about Ephesians 4 and, and the unity of the Spirit and and so the Bible has a lot to to say about uh, teamwork, and and we certainly, as Christians, should be in theory the best teammate on the team. Sure. Yeah. No. Certainly. Um. You know, I I think about the idea of the golden rule. You know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Um. And you think about I I think it's a saying the uh, um your your friends on the friends off the field but enemies on the field. You know. I always tried to be, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn or nothing, but I always tried to be the player whenever somebody fell down. You always reach your hand out and help them back up. You always high-five. You always talk good to other people, you know. Always tried to be friends with everybody. Even though you compete against them, you always try to be the best you can be for them. And then you think about, you know, with teammates, I I played point guard, so the ball was always in my hands. And I was the one who distributed and who, you you know, directed the flow of the game. If there was someone on the court that I knew did not work hard, I knew was not going to be reliable, more often than not, they were, like, when I played basketball, they were the last person I was going to try to pass the ball to because, right. you know, I want the best result out of this play, and if they're not going to give it to me, I'm not going to give them the ball. Um, you know, people might say, well, that sounds harsh. Well, that, that's that's reality, though. Right. Um, if you're not going to work hard, you're not going to get rewarded for it. Um, and so be that good teammate. 
in the sense that you put in the effort off the field, you put in the effort in the in the gym, you put in the effort in the in the tape room, and you're gonna put forth the the hard work and the effort and the diligence to be the best you can be. And when you do that, it will result in better things on the court or on the field. And as teammates, you're they're going to recognize that, you know, and they're gonna say, you know, the phrase "game recognizes game." You know, you see the effort, the hard work that they put into it, so you're gonna respect that, and you're gonna give them what they give you. Um, and so be a good teammate, but that's not to say the two though, the people that don't put forth the ever doesn't mean you can mistreat them or be mean or abuse them or whatever you treat people the way Christians ought to treat everybody. It doesn't matter who they are. Um, you treat them in a Christ-like manner. Um, and so I think that's very important for us to keep, to keep in mind that, that golden rule, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated and try to, and look at, you know, when you, when I've said this before on other podcasts, when you, when you struggle having the right kind of attitude towards other people, try to see them, and we ought to do this anyway, but especially then, try to see them as God sees them, as a, as a soul that, I just dropped my pen, as a soul that, um, that Jesus has died for. And when we see people like that, I think it'll completely change our mindset and our vision of the way we look at people that we maybe not like so much. Jesus died for them. That's a soul that God created. That's a soul that could go to heaven. That's a soul that we should want to go to heaven along with us. And so I think when we look at people that way, it makes it a lot easier. Absolutely. And you're kind of getting into my next point, which is be fair. Sure. And sure. I'm going to mention that in just a minute. But one thing I wanted to mention, you think about a, a quarterback um, what do you want on your team as a quarterback? You want somebody who knows the playbook. Right. And you want somebody who is a leader, who has everybody's respect. He commands the respect of the team. I know uh, my college team, Louisiana Tech, where I went to school last year, we had a quarterback who was not the best leader, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And he uh, made some questionable decisions. Anyways, he got suspended at the worst possible time, we were sitting at like nine and one, I think, which oh, was wow. outstanding yeah. for us. I think it was eight and one. And we had two big games with some rivals that were good teams in Conference USA. Uh-huh. And he got suspended for two games at the <laughs> worst possible time. And so a freshman, redshirt freshman quarterback, got thrown into the mix. He did his best, but he lost both games. We went from being number one in Conference USA to tied for second, I think, if I remember right. And we went from the possibility of having an amazing year for a group of five school. I mean, if we would have won those two games, uh, we could have went 11-1 and one in the regular season, maybe won a conference championship game, sure. which would be 12-1, and one, and then won a bowl game. 13-1, and one, that's unheard of hardly for a group of five school. We went from possibly having an amazing year to just having a really good year. Uh, we still went 10-3, and three, uh, but we didn't go, get to go to the conference championship game because the, the team, one of the teams that beat us, they jumped us in, in the standings in Conference USA. So, um, and that's one of the things that our fan base has been really aggravated about is our, our coach has had a winning season almost every year he's been here. He's been here for like seven or eight years now. He's won six bowl games in a row. We're like thrilled by that, but he has not won a conference championship game. He's been to a couple of them, but he lost the ones that he went to. We thought for sure last year was our year. But that quarterback, the field general, the the leader of the team, he got himself in trouble and, and missed two crucial games, and it blew the season in some ways. It was still a successful season. We won 10 games for the first time in a long time. We won a bowl game. But it could have been even more if the leader of the team had had done something you know, better, been a, a better leader. Yeah, when you live, so, self, when you live selfishly, um, it doesn't just affect you, but affects everybody around you. And so if you're going to live the way you want to live, the consequences sometimes are – sometimes there's collateral damage. Um, and many other people are affected by it, and it can be detrimental to sometimes in certain situations. Right, absolutely. So the the last point that I had under this main point is be fair, like we said a while ago. The Bible has a lot to say about fairness and uh, justice or, or justness, equity. Uh, you might find that term. It talks about using fair, true balances and weights and, and business practices not ripping people off, basically. The New King James uses the word fair-minded. 
in uh, Acts 17, 11, talking about the Bereans, the noble Bereans. It says in the New King James, they were fair-minded, and they searched the Scriptures daily to see whether or not they were being taught the truth. We might use sober-minded. Uh, basically, we need to be fair in our dealings with sports, and we need to have a clear head. We need to make good decisions. We need to treat people fairly, which is what you had kind of mentioned a while ago in um, you know the opposing team. Hey, you're my enemy on the court, but as soon as the game's over, I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to treat you with respect right. and that sort of thing. So what would you have to say about kind of fairness and in, in not, um, not wishing ill will toward the opposing team uh, off the court? Yeah, certainly. You know, a lot of times stuff, again, in the grand scheme of things, sports doesn't really matter. And so when we begin to take it extremely seriously like that, a lot of times we can do things in the sense that we're going to do whatever it takes, even if that means being dishonest, even if that means doing the wrong thing just to make sure we win. We need to make sure we're being fair um, to all, in, in all ways. You think about a coach. coach needs to be fair to his players in the sense that if they're doing the right thing, you, know, you, give them, you, you reward them. You treat them fairly. Treat them in the right way. Um, you look at officials. Know that officials have a very difficult job. Be fair to them. Know that sometimes they're going to make mistakes, and sometimes things are going to happen that you don't like. They're human just as you are. They make mistakes just like you do as a coach. Um, and so, you know, we need to make sure that we're being fair in that sense. Um, you know, that's a great point, you know. Make sure you look at people in the right way. Make sure you, you treat them fairly. Treat them the right way. And when they do, they're going to look at you and think, ah, this guy was good to me. I remember him being that way. You know, I think about – I always try to establish relationships with officials. And you do it for, for a plethora of reasons. One of the reasons why was, you know, try to establish that good relationship. That way they know this guy's a good player. He's an honest player. He does the right thing. You know, they're more inclined to call or to make 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 um, you know call fouls or whatever. Um, more equally and more fairly, I guess, in a sense of if someone would treated them like a jerk or they knew this guy was a dirty player, they're going to watch more carefully on, some, on a player like that. And so, you know, be fair in, in that sense as well. So, you know, make sure we have good relations with the people around us. Look at other people in the right way. Treat them fairly, um, you know, and try to, try to lift them up and, do, and make them do the best that they can do. Absolutely. For sure. Um, are there any other principles you would like to add uh, that are important for yeah. uh, Christians in athletics? There's a couple, couple I had. One of them was, um, you know, as an, as an athlete, you have a different platform than, than just you kind of your other, just kind of other people do. And you see it, and I say this, um, you got to take this with a grain of salt because I see it happen, you know, you think about professional athletes today and how they use their platform you know, to talk about, you know, racial injustice and um, politics and all these different things that are happening around us. And I understand they're using their platform um, the best way that they could. And I don't necessarily mean it that way, but I mean it in the sense of use your platform in that you're being surrounded by a lot of people that you normally would never have the opportunity to be around. Be a Christian, be an example, spread the gospel in the best way that you can. Um, use your platform as an athlete in that sense. Don't Don't use it like these, you know, these professional athletes are doing, they know they have a lot of attention. They know they have a lot of, a lot of, a, a lot of a following. Um, so they're using it to try to get their message across, which I understand, you know, that's your platform. You do whatever you want with it. Um, but as Christians, let's use our platform to spread the gospel to other people. We're going to come in contact with a lot of people. We normally would never have an opportunity to let's make sure we do that um, to the best of our ability. Um, and then, um, you know, basically what you said, treat others the way you want to be treated. Look at people and say, I want to be treated the right way, so I'm going to treat you the right way, no matter how you treat me. No matter if you're a dirty player, no matter if you cheat, no matter if you don't work hard, I'm going to treat you the right way, um, because that's what, as Christians, we're supposed to do. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, Caleb, for joining me for this podcast. And in my opinion, this has been one of the best ones that uh, Everyday Christian has had. And I need to do this more often um, if I can ever figure out the technology. For those who don't know, Caleb is helping me tremendously. <laughs> with the technology end on this. But I do appreciate you for joining me for this episode. Uh, our listeners, be sure to listen to Transformed, Caleb's podcast. And again, we'll put the the uh, link in the show notes. And uh, it's a very good professional podcast. And it's very good content as well. And I'm, I'm excited to see about your announcement coming up pretty soon. So. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. Is there anything else that you uh, wanted to cover that we didn't cover or 
or any final takeaways that you might have for our audience? Maybe one final point. No, man. I mean, you know, sports are and sports are in the lives of most most people. Um, every single day, something about sports pops up. You scroll on Facebook or Instagram, something about sports comes up. Um, let's sports are great. They're good. They're good outlets for us. But let's make sure we keep them in perspective and we remember why we're truly on this earth. Like we said before, and that is to glorify God and worship Him. Absolutely. Well, we thank you, Caleb. We thank you a lot. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for joining us for the Season 2, Episode 5 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I want to let you know that next week, Lord willing, we're going to start a new series, and that is How to Overcome. And we're going to start that series by discussing how to overcome temptations. I look forward to discussing that topic and, and getting into that series next time on the Everyday Christian Podcast. Thank you for joining us.